0: Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the very back of the Bible, the book of 3rd John. If you're looking for it, it's at the end of the book. Uh, You have the book of Revelation, the book of Jude, and then the book of 3rd John. So all the way to the back, the best place is probably find Revelation and turn one page at a time (laughs) until you find the book of 3rd John. 3rd John only consists of one chapter. It's nestled Uh, in the back of the book right next to Revelation so it's easy to kind of miss and because it's so small like the minor prophets some people ignore it but let me tell you just because it's minor in size it's still major in message and there's a powerful message that we find in the book of third John. Now of course we are finishing up our Sunday school series today on unto the furtherance of the gospel with the understanding that the furtherance of the gospel is going to go in three prongs truth friendship and world evangelism and that these three prongs we're going to see in this book in the book of third john as we wrap up this series and we see it applied and how it could be used so with that turn with me to the book of third john the book of third john and if you don't mind, let's look together starting at verse number 1. The book of Third John, notice verse number 1, the Bible says this. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers." which hath borne witness of thy charity before the church, of whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that, for his name's sake, they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prodding against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, we also bear record, and we know that our record is true. I I had many things to write, but I will not write with ink and pen right unto thee. But I trust that I will shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. And if you're the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Third John? The book of Third John, and notice with me verse number 8, the phrase, fellow helpers of the truth. Fellow helpers of the truth. What a wonderful phrase that was to be said of Gaius, fellow helpers of the truth. Now, truth, friendship, and world evangelism all come together when we understand what it means to be fellow helpers of the truth. Notice what the Bible says here in the book of, of Third John. Notice that six times we read of the truth Six times the word truth is used to place the emphasis here that we could see this all wrapped together dealing with the truth. Now, let me give you a quick synopsis. That John, the beloved apostle, is writing to Gaius who happens to be a the pastor, the overseer of a local church. And as he's writing, he's talking about how wonderful it is that Gaius, the pastor, is... is um, loves the truth. He's been receiving missionaries. He's been taking care of the missionaries and trying to get the missionaries to give a report and tell what's going on in the, in the uh, church. And he's given a great report. And thank you so much for leading your folks to be fellow helpers of the truth. It's making a big deal. Then he stops and pauses and says, but there's a fly in the ointment. You got a man by the name of Diotrephes. Diotrephes loveth the preeminence. The word preeminence carries the idea of one and only. It carries the idea that Diotrephes wanted everyone to think that he was spiritual. He was great. That look at how knowledgeable I am. Look at how spiritual I am. Look at how wonderful I am. And he liked to be the big fish in the little pond. But anytime a missionary, an evangelist, another pastor or apostle would come in, Gaius would have a problem because no lo- he no longer looks as spiritual and as great next to some missionary who is actually doing the work or some evangelist who comes in and is trying to declare the truth and trying to help people along. And so Diotrephes, because he wanted to protect his self and protect his position, he would treat the missionaries and the evangelists roughly. Uh, again notice verse 10. Wherefore if I come I will remember his deeds, Diotrephes' deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Oh, could you imagine what a heartbreak that would be to have some guy who is so insecure, and so prideful and so arrogant that he would do everything he possibly could to keep someone from visiting the church, from pastoring. He'd go up to the pastor and say, you know, you really don't need to have this missionary in. It's, it's, it's no use. And let me tell you some things about this evangelist. And he would hurt those evangelists, those missionaries, with his words Could you imagine how this would hold back a church? How it would hurt the church as they're trying to go out? Especially with this backdrop, we understand the phrase of fellow helpers of the truth. Of course, uh, Diotrephes definitely was not a fellow helper of the truth. But he was someone who was a hindrance, someone in the way. And of course, Paul brings up Demetrius. Let me tell you someone who's going to be coming your way. This guy is going to be a help. When he comes in here, don't let Diotrephes chase him off. Don't let Diotrephes steal it. Let me tell you, this guy could tell the truth. He's going to help you bring him in. And we're thankful for the recommendation of the Apostle Paul. And so this is the backdrop of what's going on and this church here. But notice this, where it talks about fellow helpers of the truth. If you and I to give a description of our work as the children of God it would be fellow helpers of the truth. What we're doing in this world is serving as fellow helpers of the truth. We're striving to bring people to the truth. Those of us whose lives have been changed by the truth are taking the truth to others and praying that their lives will be changed by the truth. Now notice, as we just introduce this, notice that the truth produces several things. In this passage here, notice what the truth produces. Notice in verse number three, for I rejoiced greatly. We could see that truth uh, produces rejoicing. I have rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Notice this when people are walking in truth, it produces rejoicing. Amen. It produces rejoicing. Oh, I have no greater joy than to hear my children, as the Apostle Paul is working, or sorry, John, not Paul, John is working with this. He's saying, I have no greater joy to see the people that I've led to the Lord, that I've helped disciple, continue in truth. Oh, there's no greater thing than to see them continue in truth. Oh, it gives me a reason to rejoice. So we can see truth uh, produces rejoicing. Notice this truth produces faithfulness. Truth produces faithfulness. Verse 5 Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers. Because of the truth, he is faithful. He is faithful. Oh, God says that, moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Faithful. What does faithful mean, by the way? We sometimes use that definition kind of ambiguously. What do we mean by faithfulness? What does God mean by faithfulness? Well, probably the same definition. My wife demands faithfulness. For example, if I went to my wife and said, honey, after all these years, I want to encourage you that I've been 99% faithful to you. Is that good news to her? No, not at all. What does she want? 100%. 100%. So what does God want? You understand that truth is going to reproduce faithfulness. That we're continually faithful to God. And continuing on. We also know that truth brings opposition. It produces opposition. It produces rejoicing. It produces faithfulness. It also produces uh, opposition. Again, we brought this up. Verse number nine, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth them not. And of course, we talked about what was going on. He brought opposition. He, uh, <laughs> when we start giving the truth, there are going to be people who don't like the truth. And they're going to do what it can they can to stop it. They don't like the truth. They like to have their version of the truth. And we understand that if we're going to deliver truth, there is going to be opposition. Not everyone is going to like the truth. But we know that's what truth produces. But then we also see this. Truth also produces those to have a good report. Produces those who walk in truth to have a good report. Notice again in verse number 12. Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself you know because he had the truth and he carried the truth he had a good report of all men this is someone who has the truth why should we bring this evangelist in because he has the truth why should we bring this missionary in and decide to support him financially because he has the truth it's the truth that brings the good report You don't want to have a preacher or a church worker who's not truthful. Hey, I want you to go up to the Sunday school class, and we're not going to teach the kids truth, but we want them to go up to the Sunday school class. Why bring them to a Sunday school class? Mm -hmm. Truth is important, and those who follow the truth are going to have a good report. Now, that's all introduction. Let's explain a little bit more about being fellow helpers of the truth. If we're going to be doing God's work, and if we could summarize God's work of being fellow helpers of the truth, there are some things we're going to understand if we're going to be fellow helpers. First of all, our ministry. Our ministry. Notice if you don't mind, verse number five. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Now, our ministry is going to be to the brethren and to the strangers. Now, if we're going to carry the truth and if we're going to be a blessing, we know that we have to die to self in order to deal with the desire for our ministry. Diotrephes thought he had a ministry and the ministry was to make him look good. If we are going to have the proper ministry as fellow helpers of the truth, it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about helping others, both the brethren and strangers. This is the model ministry, to be faithful in following the Lord and helping the brethren and strangers. This is the ministry God has given to us. This is the ministry of encouragement. This is the ministry that brings us along people. It's not about ourselves. It's about helping others in the truth. Helping others in the truth. Now someone may say, how do we help someone in the truth? What what can we honestly do? You know, think about a missionary who's off on the foreign field. What can we do? Well, hold your finger here and let's look to the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. If you're familiar with the scriptures in uh, the New Testament, we would understand that the book of 2 Corinthians is dealing with Paul's darkest hour. And it is dark. This is the lowest part in Paul's ministry. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he has has heard that the church of Corinth has rebelled against him. And that they're full of pride, full of carnality, and they are just shipwrecking the whole thing. So much that he wrote a heartbroken, scathing letter correcting their behavior. And as of yet, he hasn't quite heard what happened. He, he had, there were some people that were against him in the church. and said, we don't care about this Paul guy. So much that they were responding back the little thing that he heard back. Who is this Paul to tell us what to do? Could you imagine that? He started the church, led these people to the Lord, and they turn around, who's this Paul guy? Who was who he to tell us what to do? That's heartbreaking. At this time, he has just had a ministry of two or three years in the city of Ephesus and had a Bible college. People are hearing the gospel. Churches are being planted. And the silversmith had a had a stirred up a riot because they were no longer able to sell the little green bay I mean uh, a temple of Diana uh, (laughs) things and so they ran him out of town they were going to kill him if they grabbed a hold of him so here's a place he's just spent the last two or three years they chased him out of town meanwhile he had sent Titus with the second letter or to uh, with a response to uh Uh, the, The letter of 1 Corinthians, he's trying to get a response. He sent Titus and Titus hasn't come back. And he's worried about him. And then he's heard that the churches of Galatia have now switched. That they believe you get saved by accepting Christ as your Savior. But you have to stay saved by doing the commandments and doing right things. And then he gets sick. He gets so sick that he actually thinks he's going to die. And he expects he's going to die. And as he is on his deathbed with the pressures, at this stage in his life, it looks like his entire ministry is a failure. Everything he has touched has fallen apart. Everything he has done is in rebellion. These churches are rising up. People aren't responding well. He's got chased off. Titus, I don't know where he's at. I'm, I'm worried about him. He's at his lowest point. He feels like he's going to die not seeing any successes. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number eight, uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, notice with me verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Now, I just got through explaining some of the problems, just some of the problems. <laughs> but what I explained is enough, right? He said, I want, I want you to be ignorant of what I just went through, Here, and I told you some of these things. Verse number nine. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead. Notice how far he's gone. He says, God... I had to trust God that if God still wanted the ministry to go, I was just expecting him to raise me from the dead again. That's how close to death he was from people grabbing a hold of him and killing him. I'm just, <laughs> I just assume I'm going to die and God's going to have to raise me again if he wants this ministry to go on. Uh, could you imagine how close to death you are to think about that? Notice verse 10. Verse 10. Who, that's God, hath delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, or he's continually deliver, in whom we trust, and he will deliver. Notice this, ye also helping together by prayer for us, for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given to many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is this, that the testimony of our conscience with simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we had had our conversation of the world and more abundantly to you, word. Notice in verse number 11, how did they help? They helped by praying. They helped by praying. How can we be fellow helpers of the truth? By praying for others. How can we be an assistance to the missionaries? Praying, praying. We don't know what dangers they're in, but we need to pray. I heard once of a true story of a church that was concerned for a missionary. They just got burdened. They said, I don't know what it is. We can't put our finger, but we feel like our missionary is in trouble. And this is before cell phones. And they said, you know what? We're going to get together and they, on a, like a Tuesday night, they said, you know what? Our missionary's in trouble. We don't know what it is, but let's pray. And they got about 42 people. The number may be a little bit off, but about 42 people. And they began just to pray and weep for the missionary. And they took hours praying for the missionary. A little bit later, they got a report from the missionary. And the missionary said, man, we just went through an adventure. The other day, which happened to be the Tuesday they were praying, We were walking on a road and we were surrounded by bandits who were going to steal everything that we had, all of our ministry stuff, and they were going to kill us. And as they were advancing, all of a sudden, one of them looked and said, whoa, guys, stop. And he looked around. And he said, who are these people? The missionaries looked around and said, what are you looking at? Who are these people? And he went and counted. And he says, there's 42. Are they angels? What are they? And the bandit said, never mind. And they walked away. And the missionary's like, what just happened? Isn't that amazing? Fellow helpers of the truth. We don't know how important it is to pray for the missionaries, especially when God prompts us. Those church folks in the States... They were fellow helpers of the truth of those missionaries to allow the missionaries to continue to give to the truth. Fellow helpers of the truth. Paul says, I was on my deathbed. I felt like I was going to die. I was at my lowest point. But you helped me. But I wasn't close to you, Paul. You prayed for me. And that got me through. Because it was God that did it, not me. And you were fellow helpers of the truth. You understand that our ministry is not about us. Not how great we are, how smart we are, how many people we have in our class, how many people we've touched, how many, whatever. It's others. Not me, it's others. And to be fellow helpers of the truth, we are fellow helpers to both the brethren and the strangers, to those that are Christians and those who are not Christians. We're trying to go out and be fellow helpers for them so that they may have the truth. That is our ministry, is others that they may have the truth. With this, turn back with me to the book of 3 John. We come not only to our ministry, but notice this, our motive. Our motive. Often we speak of the what we do, of the how we do it, and the where we do it. The heart of the matter is the why we do it. Notice what the Bible says in 3 John. Notice with me in verse 7. Third John in verse 7. Because that, for his name's sake, they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. What is our motive? For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Why should we do everything? For God. For the name of Jesus. For his name's sake. Oh, notice with me, if you don't mind, is the Lord Jesus Christ addressed this in the book of uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 19. We're trying to be fellow helpers of the truth. And for that, we understand that our ministry is it's not us. It's for others. Strangers, brethren and the strangers. We know our motive. What is our motive? Well, in Matthew chapter 19, what we have here is the story, the historical account of the rich young ruler. Here's this rich young ruler. He is a young man. He's he's clothed in royal robes. And he comes approaching Jesus. And you can almost see, because of his station and his reality, the way that he carried himself, that the crowd just parted for him. And he comes straight to Jesus, bows down and says, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus begins to deal with him, not as a crowd message, but as an individual to try to bring to the heart of the matter. He tried to bring him to the idea of the Ten Commandments. And he says, these things have I kept from my childhood on, which the idea he wouldn't admit that he was a sinner. He's perfect. Well, remember that when we're working with people, we have to get him to the place where he admits that he's a sinner. So Jesus says, all right, fine. If you're perfect in that, let's see where you're not perfect at. What I want you to do is sell everything that you have, give them to the poor and come and follow me. And the guy said, well, I'm not willing to do that. Now, does that mean that you have to give up your stuff to, fo- to follow Christ? No. But he's dealing with an individual. And he's pointing out to the individual's life that possessions possessed him. Yeah. And that he, he had selfishness. He had covetousness. He, he was a sinner. And the rich young ruler said, well, that's not for me. Shook uh, dust off his feet. Looked at Jesus, went away sad because he had many possessions. It wasn't really. He walks away with everything he had, but he's not saved. But he walked away with everything he had. The disciples watch this, and they've given up everything. They've left their parents, they've left their businesses. They've left everything to follow after Christ. And so they start getting to think as the disciples often did. We've never asked this, but what's in it for us? And they talked among themselves and finally they did what they normally did. Peter, you ask them. Peter, ask him, And they kick Peter up and Peter goes, uh, Jesus, we've given everything. <laughs> what do we get out of this? Can you imagine them asking Jesus what they get out of this? Uh, notice for yourself if you don't mind. In verse number 27. Uh, Matthew 19, 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. (laughs) What shall we have thereof? (laughs) Jesus, we've given up everything. What do we get out of this? Notice what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye that have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, notice this next phrase, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. What is the motive that Jesus said here? Motive is important for my name's sake. What is the motive for us being fellow helpers of of the truth? It's all about God. It's not about me. It's about Him. I'm not doing it for rewards. I'm doing it for Him. I'm not doing it because it makes me feel good. I'm doing it for Him. Our motive is important. And if we're going to be fellow helpers of the truth, it's, remember, we have Diotrephes. He would do things because it made him look good. The offering plate has come and I want you to let you know I have a thousand dollar check and I'm giving it to missions. Yay, Diotrephes! That's what they wanted. By the way, I've met lots of church folks who did the same thing. Yay! What an amazing man that Diotrephes is. He really loves missions. He loves the Lord. He says, I do, I really do. He loved himself. He didn't do it for the Lord's sake. He did it for the applause. I want to let you know, I teach a class of a hundred students and they can't wait to come and hear from me. How big is your Sunday school class? He didn't do it for the Lord's sake. He did it for him. But I'm teaching the Bible. You're doing it for yourself. Our motive has to be for his namesake. It has to be for him. It has to be for him. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Our motive. Turn back to me to the book of Third John. We're talking about being fellow helpers of the truth. And you start to see how truth. How Uh, Friendship and world evangelism are now working together in this book. That it is the truth. But with the truth we understand that it's for others. We're trying to get it to others. And it's for his name's sake. That we understand that we have to be friendship with the world. And we have to try to go out and try to win them with the truth. It's all about him. We see our ministry. It's not ours. It's for him. We understand our motive. It's not for us. It's for him. But then we see our message. Our message. Every human being has a message. We declare our message in word and we declare our message in deed. We're on this world to know the truth and declare the truth to others. So what is it that our message is? Notice if you don't mind in verse number 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. What is our message? The truth. Our world is full of lies, full of deceit, trying to fool people. People need the truth. How will they ever hear the truth, by the way? They can only hear the truth from those who know the truth, whose lives have been changed by the truth, whose other truthful friends take the gospel to the lost. We who have the truth and our lives are changed by the truth, we are responsible of carrying the truth out to others. Otherwise, where are they going to hear it from? There is no better reference than to see a life that was personally changed. You could put a static sign on a billboard and praise the Lord for everyone who does that. But that doesn't have the impact of going up to someone and saying, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God changed my life. Let me tell you what I was like before and now what my life is like because of what Jesus has done for me. You understand you could write a Facebook post and praise the Lord for everyone that does. But it does not have the impact of someone saying, listen what God did for me. And to be able to have that personal contact. Now, by the way, how is the truth supposed to get out? Well, notice me one last passage. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. Now, this is important, and I don't want you to miss this. 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. And notice with me in verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. God has designed it so the local church is the place where people know they're going to receive the truth. God has designed it so when people are looking for answers, they come to the church. Now, they may not like the answers, but they know they're going to get the truth. That's what a true Bible teaching church should be like. We're not here to try to give people a number and just be glad that the numbers have showed up. We're doing it for the purpose that we have the opportunity through the local church to give people the truth and that we go out from the church representing and say, listen, we're from this church. We want to tell you the truth. And if you want to hear more truth, come with me. But we're at the place where we're telling people about the truth and we could follow it up, say, if you want to hear more truth, come with me. We'll bring you to a place where you're going to hear truth and you're going to hear more truth that's going to change your life. You understand, truth is so important. Again, in the book of 3 John, just 14 verses, but six times the word truth is used. And we have the picture. We have Gaius, who is the leader of that local church, who is trying to teach the people to be fellow helpers of the truth. Then you could see the opposite of everything that we said with the diatrophies. He did it all for himself. And he did a lot of good things, but it was all for him. If we're going to be fellow helpers of the truth, we're going to take the truth because of who the Lord is for the Lord's sake and give it to the brethren and to the strangers because truth is what people need.